You're listening to the Inside the Shoe podcast, presented by Land of Ten. I am the one who knocks. And now here's your host, Kyle Land. Good Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Inside the Shoe podcast, presented by Land of Ten.com. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb, flying in the co-pilot chair today. With me is Ryan Ginn of Land of Ten. We're going to talk some Ohio State football and also look ahead to the 2018 Big Ten football season and kind of project some teams a little bit. Ryan, um, how you doing this week, buddy? Uh, you're, you're doing an admirable job here handling all the uh, day-to-day team coverage duties with our, our friend Austin uh, departing. Yeah, um, it hasn't been too bad so far. It's it's the off-season, so it's a little bit more manageable. Um but, yeah, I'd say things are going pretty well so far. So I want to uh, get right into the Joe Burrow transfer first, and then we'll talk a little Ohio State. Got a couple Ohio State questions I want to get into, and then we'll talk some Big Ten. Uh, so the reason I want to ask you this, you know, Burrow made his decision. We'll be going to LSU. It's kind of interesting there because I think everybody on the outside assumes that Burrow will get the job, and, and that's probably the case. I mean, Ed Orgeron probably doesn't put together a, a four-hour presentation for Burrow if he's not bringing him in to be the starting quarterback. But, you know, they've got a couple guys there already that think they're still in competition uh, for the quarterback job. And and Miles Brennan, specifically his dad, made some interesting comments yesterday. Uh, kind of, you know, basically, uh, I don't want to say he was ripping on Burrow, but kind of making it sound like Burrow has nothing on Brennan uh, to be ahead in the job. I'm curious what you think that race is or will shape out to be and if Burrow is the guy and, and, you know, everybody else is just kind of sandbagging it. Well, he's the guy if he gets a fair shot. Um, I, the reason I qualify with that is that LSU currently has a football coach who uh, probably fantasizes about kicking 19-yard field goals if <laughs> last season is any indication. So I'm – that was my one concern with Burrow choosing LSU is that Ed Orgeron seems like someone who would probably prefer, you know, like the devil you know type thing. Um, at the same time, though, they've got a really, really tough schedule this year, and if things go sideways, he could be in trouble earlier than, you know, maybe you would you would think, you know, it being only a second year so. Uh, I, that's an interesting point, and I saw uh, an article, and I can't remember where I saw it, so I can't give a shout-out or a hat tip or anything like that, but but I do remember reading an article, somebody suggesting maybe that's why Orgeron did this, because he thinks he's on the hot seat if they don't perform this year, and so maybe he's not settling for the, 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 the floor or the ceiling or the, the floor or the basement, he wants the, the higher-end potential when he thinks Burrow is a guy that gives him more potential uh, to reach higher and maybe win the SEC West this year. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, well, I think that certainly would be a compelling reason for him to do it. Um, and I, I guess what it comes down to is I, I obviously haven't covered the program in some time, and so I don't – I'm haven't covered Orgeron ever on like a day-to-day basis, but he, he struck me as a guy I would be worried about uh, giving the nod to someone who's only been in the program for three months. But at the same time, if Joe Burrow chose it, I, I feel like he's confident that that's not the case. And so I'll say this, he's better. He's the best quarterback in the program right now. I don't think there should be any debate about that. I've, watched the other three and followed them and he's just he's better than miles brennan 
Um, Lowell Narcisse has really good, you know, potential and can, can bring a lot of different things to the table, but you know, uh, it's, he's still pretty young and Justin McMillan is just, he's just a guy to me. Um, so there's probably not more than what, maybe a dozen programs in the country where Joe Burrow wouldn't go and be the favored starter going into the season. Yeah, that's what I tell people is that there's a reason why you have to understand that, you know, they're transferring for a reason. And I think you have to take that into account. But I think his reason is a lot better than other people's reasons. And I think Dwayne Haskins is more physically gifted and has a higher ceiling than all but a handful of quarterbacks in the country. And he showed some of that on tape against Michigan. And that's just that that's pretty much the point where to me it became a situation where it would take something crazy to happen for Joe Burrow to have won the job outright by around this time, which is always what he was gonna want to have happened you know, to not leave unless he had just been like a steady leader for a few months. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's, he's not a typical grad transfer. Um, I wouldn't say he's, he's on like that Russell Wilson level, obviously, because he hasn't really played, but I think he's also better than a lot of people because the reason he's transferring is not because he got a shot and failed. With Joe Burrow at a place like LSU, very high profile is going to be, we think, uh, you know, in the top 10, top 20 this year. Uh, it's hard to say for sure because their, their offense has certainly struggled the last few years. But, but they've, they got the, they've got the, yeah, they've, they've got the talent to be at that level. But with Burrow there at LSU, how long of a leash do you think Ohio State fans will give Dwayne Haskins before they start kind of looking – you know, down to the south at what Burrow's doing and, and kind of wondering what if. And, like, basically what I mean is if Haskins doesn't get off to oh, a yeah, great no, start. I got it. Yeah. That Lord, I was just about to say, Lord have mercy. I hadn't really thought about that scenario, and it's going to be a sight to behold if it happens because, <laughs> uh, gosh, um, at least a few games I would hope, but it's going to be interesting because – Dwayne's going to have a better roster and he'll have been in the program for a few years, whereas Joe will theoretically have a worse roster and be in an offense with a new offensive coordinator and a system that he hasn't been in, but a few months. So if he tears it up, if Joe does, that would certainly be interesting, but I will caution Ohio state fans that uh, I just, Dwayne has the higher ceiling. And I think that's something you have to consider. And even if Joe is more consistent at the start. I don't think it'll necessarily be a sign that Ohio State made the wrong decision, but it's definitely going to be something to watch. I think Ohio State fans will give them a few games, but you never know. Uh, y'all, y'all are an intense bunch sometimes. <laughs> but that, this is <laughs> why it's it's interesting, though. What's that? This is why it's interesting because you're absolutely right that that Dwayne Haskins has the higher ceiling, and I think that's why most people wanted him. But at yeah. the same time, people still want instant results, and it's like they want their cake and eat it too. It's like they wanted the high the high potential guy, but Dwayne Haskins wasn't, I think in most people's minds, even though probably 70% of Ohio State fans or more wanted Haskins to start, they also would concede maybe Burrow was a, a little bit better right now or at least a little more consistent, but yet if it comes down to it, you know, Haskins doesn't have time to wait. He has to be good out of the gate or Ohio State fans won't be uh, content with his performance. And with TCU, the second game or third game of the season this year in Dallas, that's a huge game. 
Uh, Haskins doesn't have a lot of time to to play like he needs to play. Yeah, I, I think that's um, that's all fair, and I think that's at least he has a couple of weeks. You know, I'll, I'll give him that. I think that's better than if there was a you know Joe's going to open up against Miami in Dallas, so <laughs> he's got his problems right away. But I, I, I think it's fair to say that Joe's probably going to make fewer mistakes, but. I think if that's what you're judging it by, you're kind of looking at it wrong because and this is just my assessment, so I'm fine if people disagree with this. I think Joe Burrow could have won the Big Ten at Ohio State this year, but I don't think he's a national championship quarterback. And I think Dwayne is maybe slightly less likely to win the Big Ten, but more likely to win a national championship, if that makes sense. I think Burrow could be a national championship quarterback, and I, I only say that because, I mean, we've seen Alabama win with very, very conservative quarterbacks. So I don't yeah, think, that's true. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to be a... Uh, an elite, you know, passer to to be a national cha- championship quarterback, especially at Ohio State with the talent that they have. Um, so I want to ask you about the running backs. You you had an interesting question yesterday on the land of ten, t- kind of talking about uh, how much utilization the tight ends will get. And I, I actually agree with you. I'm not sure if there's going to be a lot of balls to be thrown to the tight ends this year. Even if J- Jeremy Ruckert might be the exception, if he's as good as we think he is by the end of the season, they might get some targets his way. But I want to ask you about the running backs because. Uh, it's such a deep staple this year. Three potential just studs in the backfield if they stay healthy. Mike Weber Jr., of course, you know, coming back, you know, avoiding the NFL for one more year. J.K. Dobbins, we all know his talent, uh, bursting onto the scene last year as a freshman. And then Master Teague, I think, could have the same type of impact in terms of talent as J.K. Dobbins, but he won't get as many opportunities. But how do you see these carries playing out, especially with a guy like Demario McCall that could – theoretically see some carries as well yeah i think they have a few different options too um just because there's so many playmakers and so so many different ways to use them but i'll say i think dobbins gets the most carries and then i think weber will get a decent amount too and i i think he's good i think it will be justified to give him some just the way he played when he was finally healthy last season i thought was He's kind of a tremendous runner towards the end of the season, and I think having an off-season healthy is going to be so huge for him. So hopefully he stays healthy this fall too. Um, But I would say that I would expect to see those guys. um, If you're just comparing those two, I I would say maybe like somewhere in the neighborhood of 55-45 between those two. Um, And then I would say that those two would probably compose – 75 or 80 percent of the carries at least in non-garbage you know you never know how much garbage time there's going to be um but i could see you know Dwayne's going to run some tate's going to run some and then you've got master teague although i think he 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 and sneed might be limited a little bit to to blowouts against wreckers and and the like um it'll be interesting to see how they utilize jalen gill and damari mccall um whether Paris Campbell gets some carries. So uh, maybe like those guys are 25% of the carries. Um, <laughs> I smell some steam coming out of your head trying to do the math here. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to do that to you. <laughs> all because I was first trying to, you know, break it down between just the carries that the, the two starters get, you know, and, and how to, I guess, describe how many more carries I think that J.K. Dobbins will get than 
Mike Weber, but then you have to factor in what percentage of the offense as a whole or the carries as a whole those two guys are. But I, I, that to me seems like somewhat reasonable. Um, so I'll go with that. Yeah, you know, and it, it really does astound me. I actually went back a couple weeks ago, was looking at a couple of games toward the end of the season, and it really it is interesting to see just how much Mike Weber had improved. Like the, the speed and the burst he had late in the season last year, uh, when he finally got healthy and he was back in there getting regular carries, it, it's impressive. Cause I don't think we've seen at Ohio state for sure, but you don't see this too often around, around the country, a guy that adds that much burst to his game. Once he gets to the college level like that, and you usually you either got it or you don't, I mean, you can improve, but he really, I thought, uh, just uh, did a great job improving his speed. Yeah, and the coaches have mentioned that he's a hard worker, so and that he really attacked, you know, the the rehab and all that because, and, and you know, maybe J.K. helped with that. You know, um, I think when you see another guy there, it, it might be a little bit more of a a carrot in front of you uh, or a motivating factor when you realize that someone out there is rushing for 1400 yards while, while you're not playing, you know, that's when you were supposed to be the starter that year. I mean, if that doesn't motivate you, what will, right? Yeah. uh, That's a, that's a competition is a great motivator. And urban Meyer has always believed that. And I think uh, somebody like him and and Nick Saban, these, these are the guys that understand that and use it to their advantage. Competition definitely breeds success. Uh, so I want to look at the Big Ten here for a few minutes before uh, before we wrap the show up today. And um, uh, so Ohio State obviously has its work cut out for it because the Big Ten East is going to be a, a monster this year, at least on paper. Michigan probably, I said yesterday, I think Michigan's going to have its best one of its best teams since 1997. Maybe not its best, but it's going to be one of its better teams. It might not show with the record because of the schedule they have. But I think they've got a chance to be very, very good. Uh, somebody mentioned to me on Twitter today that I'm not giving Penn State enough credit. And I, I don't mean to not give Penn State credit because I think Penn State's going to be very tough. I do have questions about them. Uh, can Miles Sanders step up and uh, you know replace some of the production of Saquon Barkley? Can McSorley throw? Uh, he's still going to have a very good receiving core, but can he be as successful without a couple of their big-time playmakers? You know, Gusecki, of course, at tight end. Um, so... I have questions about Penn State, but they're going to be very good. Michigan State's going to be very good. Maryland's going to be much improved. What are you? What's the pecking order for you in the Big Ten East this year? I would say that uh, Ohio State's probably first for me. Um, I guess things could go sideways if the offensive line or Haskins doesn't live up to what they might. But you just look at what they do every year and. It's kind of crazy that their down years have been like 11 and one regular seasons, you know. Um, that's the worst thing to happen to them during the Urban Meyer era. Um, so until I see otherwise, and, and you have to keep in mind also, they've recruited the two best classes pound for pound wise in the history of recruiting rankings, not for Ohio State, for any school in the last two years. So that's going to start to be the base of the, the backups and, and maybe even some starters. Um, so Ohio State is number one to me. Uh, we'll see. Um, I've always been probably more uh, supportive of, or defensive of Harbaugh than, than maybe some have. But I, I think Michigan, to me, in the Big Ten East is 
probably the second best team this year. Um, and if it doesn't happen for them this year, it's fair to wonder when it ever will because they bring back so many guys. They, they've got probably eight guys who you can think off the top of your head are like you know logical draft pick choices for 2019, um, which is always a really good place to start and an indicator of the, the health of your program to say nothing of maybe some younger guys who aren't even draft eligible. Um, they have a quarterback who, while he had some ups and downs at Ole Miss, uh, has a really high ceiling and has a, a pretty high degree of polish overall, I'd say, uh, with, with some rawness mixed in. Um, and I just, you know, their defense always has the potential to play at a high level. So, uh, they just, I think you're going to see them in a lot of top tens this year, uh, and I, I think that's at least a, a fair expectation. And if it doesn't happen, I think it, that should be a disappointment to their fan base. And then right, right with them, I'd have Penn State. Um, although I expect Penn State to take a little bit of a step back because I and I'll fully admit I could be wrong here. It's possible, um, and I don't know too much about the guy they hired to replace him. But I have the impression that Joe Moorhead might have been responsible for a lot of their success and he does not work there anymore. And they also lost a tremendous talent in Saquon Barkley, a absolutely unbelievable tight end in Mike Jasicki, uh, you know, blocking problems aside. And then Deshaun Hamilton, who's caught more passes than anyone else in the history of the program. So um, they have a little bit to build on, but hey, you know, they've recruited well too. And uh, I, I think James Franklin is, is building something there. So You know what's interesting with, with Penn State? They could, uh, theoretically or on paper, however you want to look at it, they could be the fifth best team in the Big Ten this year and be a top ten team. I think that's kind of fair, which is crazy, because there's just a, a ridiculous amount of talent, especially at the top of the conference this year, when you've got Ohio State, and Wisconsin, I mean, th- those are the two obvious, you know, no-brainer ones. Both those teams should be right around where they were last year. You've got Michigan, who should be able to take a step up from the 8-4 and four or whatever it was in the regular season. They lost their bowl game, too. Um, and then Sparty's kind of the wild card there. Um, and that's a team I, I guess I didn't get to yet, but I'm a little bit of a doubter in them. They bring back so many people, though. Um, well, that's, so. that's the thing. I know you mentioned, and I agree with you, I know you're not a big Lewerke fan, and, and I'm not either, but I will also say they have almost the entire offense back. The running game is back. They've got three three receivers who were younger, inexperienced receivers last year, but th- they, they were talented. They're back. Like, that offense could legitimately be pretty good this year on top of a... I don't think it's going to be a traditional Mark Antonio defense that's been lacking the last couple of years, but I think it will be much improved from what we've seen the last two years. Yeah, and I, I'll say that, I mean, not to knock a school that has, like, you know, had three or so guys in the NFL recently at quarterback, but it's not like any of them ever lit the world on fire while at Michigan State. So, you know, Lewerke might just have to be pretty good, you know, to, to make it work. It's not like he has to – it's not like Michigan State's ever had an elite quarterback, you know, while he was at Michigan State. Obviously, Kirk Cousins has gone on to outrageous things, but nobody ever talked about him like a you know, all-American Heisman-type player. Yeah, it's it's um, it, it, I agree with that completely. And, and you mentioned Wisconsin, and, and they're going to be – uh, I mean, they could be really tough. I mean, Alex Hornibrook, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody out there is a huge Alex Hornibrook fan, 
But man, he's going to have so much at his disposal this year. Jonathan Taylor back and uh, Danny Davis is back. And that defense, of course, is going to be very, very good. So all Hornybrook has to do for Wisconsin to be a top 10 team is just not make mistakes. And if, yeah. he, if he can do that and just not turn the ball over, my goodness, that Wisconsin team is going to be really tough. Yeah, I think they're a team that might be slightly underrated by like you know, fans in other conferences or national guys. Um, although their their level of success in recent years has probably prevented the, the national media from making that mistake. But they're just God, they're such a sound team. They, they've got it. They 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 win on you know in the lines and in the trenches, and that that to me is like the best starting point for a program. Um, they've got a really good running back and just really good athletes. Um, I, I honestly think that, um, Oh gosh, who's, who's the kid that they plucked from Ohio last year who Ohio state should have taken. Yeah. That was Danny Davis. Yeah. Danny Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I I think he's just going to be really, really good and a player that Ohio state's going to regret passing on. So, um, they've got all the, other than, you know, being in Ohio state's conference or in a conference with, you know, four other elite teams, they've got the recipe to be a playoff team for sure. That's just, I mean, that's the problem for every Big Ten team that that we're talking about right now is they're all potentially really good slash playoff teams, but they happen to be in a conference with several other ones, and only one of them, you know, in the most likely scenario is going to be able to do that. So in the East, we have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, all with, with a legitimate chance, I think, of winning the East this year. I think all four could be good enough to do that. Uh, in the West, obviously, Wisconsin is the runaway favorite. So instead of asking you, uh, will Wisconsin win the West, which I think is an easy question because you, you're going to play the percentages and say yes. Yeah, so, for sure. So instead, I'm going to ask you, you know, of, of the, the next four teams uh, in the uh, West, who would you think, if, if Wisconsin were to somehow lose the West, probably not going to happen, who has the best chance of doing it? Is it Nebraska? Is it Purdue? Is it Northwestern? Is it Iowa? Gosh, um, maybe Northwestern. Um, I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen for Nebraska yet, right? Because I, I th- in fact, it could be a step back. Just you know, they they lost some big contributors for them, and uh, it it's going to take a couple years, I think, for Scott Frost to get it going, just the way it did at UCF. And I think it will, but it's just what they are facing next year is a lot to ask. Um, Iowa used up all its luck on <laughs> in early November 2017. I forget the exact date now. Uh, I don't know how I ever could, but um, so yeah. And um, I don't know. I just I feel like Northwestern is one of those programs that's always you know Pat Fitzgerald. I mean they've had some clunkers occasionally, but he's been right there before. Um, and so. And they had a decent season last year, so if I if I couldn't take Wisconsin, uh, and, and this is a weird point to make, and you know partially anecdotal, and so I, and normally something I'd hate to say, but Northwestern doesn't really have any rivalry games that beat the hell out of you and where crazy things happen, and I think that's sometimes where you know teams like Minnesota or whoever that you know could have. A, a big year one year and then you know they run this gamut where they play a few teams where they all hate each other between you know wisconsin and and nebraska and iowa and you know those are so many those are, those are hard to win when you're playing for these hundred year old trophies and in a region where you know all these midwesterners in that part of the country just have this 
you know, weird hatred for each other. So, um, but Northwestern is not involved in any of that, you know, so their fake rival is Illinois, who is, uh, not a real big 10 team at this point. So, <laughs> Uh, as for me, I think I'm going to go with Purdue. I'm going to buy into the Jeff Brom stuff. Um, Iowa, yeah, that's a good one to take for sure. Iowa seems to come out of nowhere every five years and and wind up with like one or two losses when you're not expecting it. But they did that pretty recently, so I, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, even though I, I somehow somehow have a weird feeling Nathan Stanley is going to have a good year, it, it's probably not going to be enough to finish second or third. I, I, who knows though? They're they're very very strange program and. They are. <laughs> <laughs> when they're good, it's it's in years that you just never see it coming. So who right. knows? Uh, one quick uh, basketball note uh, for those listening. I mentioned yesterday Romeo Weems would be deciding uh, between Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, DePaul. Uh, he actually chose DePaul, surprisingly enough, over Michigan State. So it was not Ohio State as we thought it wouldn't be. But he did not pick Michigan State either, and he's going to DePaul. So uh, good for DePaul, big basketball pickup there, uh, going into the state of Michigan and, and picking up a legitimate playmaker. So, uh, well, Ryan, that's going to do it uh, for me. I appreciate you joining me this week to talk some Big Ten football. We're getting close to summer, which means Ohio State football season is just around the corner, thankfully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, getting closer every day. It is definitely getting closer. You can check out Ryan, of course, uh, doing yeoman's work on landup10.com. Catch him on Twitter at rmgin. That's going to wrap things up for us. You can catch me on Twitter at KYLAM, the number eight. Catch the show Monday through Friday, starting at 10 a.m. every day, uh, weekday, that is, on landup10.com and on the archives, Google Play, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thank you for making us part of your hump day. Uh, Cavs and Celtics, game five coming up in Boston uh, tomorrow. Uh, Go Cavs on that. We'll see what happens there. But thanks for giving us a listen. Have a good one, everybody. Go Bucks.